Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TED International Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Worth. In the latest episode, we talk with Andy Bayfield, Leader of Teaching and Learning, and Gary Kearns, Assistant Principal for Character and Wellbeing at St. Joseph's Institution International School, Malaysia. We discuss how they introduced a focus on pastoral care that made traits such as civility, compassion and kindness as important as those of determination or grit. We discuss how they use research to inform this work and the impact it has had so far, and how to ensure such a focus becomes embedded in day-to-day school life. Hi Andy, hi Gary. Uh, great to have you on the latest Tez in Social podcast. Um, really, you know, should be a really interesting conversation. I think just to start with, it'd be good just to sort of obviously get, um, you know, insights on yourselves, your roles at your school, and then we can sort of delve into our conversation for today. Yeah, hi Dan. Thanks for speaking to us today. Um, so my name's Andy Bayfield. Um, I'm the teaching and learning leader for high school here at St. Joseph's International uh, in Malaysia. Um, so I oversee teaching and learning within the high school um, and I work with Gary a lot on how the pastoral side and the academic side work together at different points. Hi, and my name is uh, Gary Cairns and I'm the uh, assistant principal um, with responsibility for uh, character uh, and well-being in the high school. Uh, like Andy, uh, we've both been at the school for since it opened in 2016 um, and as Andy said, work together on uh, implementing some of these uh, character and well-being strategies. You sort of touched on an interesting thing there is that the school opened you know, fairly recently and, and I'm, I'm presuming that was part of the impetus that it gave you to start on this sort of pastoral focus that really you wanted to embed a sort of it really at the heart of everything you, you're doing and, and what you, how you wanted to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, a, a blank slate really when you open a, a school a, a, as a founding staff and, and what appealed to me about this school was that it was a, a Lasallian school, so the motto of the school is enter to learn, leave to serve. So having worked in a number of schools, international schools, what was quite appealing to me was, was the fact that there was this focus on, on character education, that there was a focus on values. Mm. Um, and I think that a lot of staff that joined at the time, it, it appealed to them. Right, and Andy, was that sort of the same for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, what really kind of intrigued me was when, for example, Gary went into his role, um, the way we were looking at a character education program, which wasn't just exclusively in the pastoral side of the school, but kind of infused the entire way the school was kind of ran um, and sort of permeated areas that were perhaps seen as unusual in some respects to some teachers. So for me, it definitely felt like something quite novel. And so are there a sort of set list of words or a mission statement that you use to define this? One of one of the one of the criticisms of of, of of particularly focusing too much on sort of a, a set list of words um, is that is that quite often too much time is spent sort of negotiating what what the words are you know what what are the things that you're going to sort of pin this on um, another sort of issue with that is that is that if you sort of choose a list of, of words of vocabulary that you say that these are the virtues that you that you hold up above all others is that, is that a list is, is exclusive and, and it and it might exclude certain words um, that, um, that that are virtues that are important to, to, to certain people and then the final thing uh, with that is is, is that you, if you focus now, you have to teach the vocabulary and you have to familiarize people with the vocabulary, but you don't want the vocabulary to become a sort of a static 
list of words. Um, you want the students to be able to relate the words to real life situations and for this to be something which is about living um, rather than a, a list of vocabulary. I think a lot of people know that you know blank slate is great, but so quickly those sort of ideals can get diluted and, and lost in the noise, and, and suddenly you end up in a sort of you know never quite getting where you wanted to get. How did you you know was that something you were conscious of as well? And how did you sort of really set out like right this is what we want to be as a school. These is our this is how we're going to do it, and and how we're going to ensure it happens. Yeah, I think when when we started with this, it was it was a case of really sitting down, and, and I remember just getting lots and lots of, of, of research, lots of research papers and sitting mm. down and working through it um, and using that. And actually, I, I think because of the way that the people or the type of people that were attracted to the school, you know, it, you already got a sense of, you know, we, we, people were on board and it was just a case of, okay, now how do we make this happen? So we really started with that research and, and one we're quite in, indebted, I think, to um, uh, the, the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtues, um, which is associated with uh, the University of Birmingham in the UK. And I would recommend that anybody or any school that's, that's looking to implement a character programme mm. does look at, uh, at the materials that they've produced. Yeah, um, and I think, as Gary said there, when, it was, when it's been presented to staff and kind of disseminated to staff, a little bit like the article I wrote uh, recently, it appeals to something I think in every teacher um, that it's not just about results and it's not just about performance, but it's also about goodness um, and virtue. And I think that there's something very human in there, which you couldn't fail really to be kind of seduced by. Mm. Um, so it's a very powerful concept when you pitch it, I think, to, to staff who perhaps aren't used to it being delivered in that way. Well, I suppose that's a good point, actually, is to, is to really just sum up then. So what, what was the sort of overarching, you know, set of values or, or way that you communicated it? What, what, what is it that you, you, you try and achieve? Well, I think that if you look at, if you look at any school uh, or, or a lot of schools now and, and, and their sort of their mission statement, they, they talk a lot about, about virtues. And, and in particular, there's, there's a lot of focus on performance virtues, things like... Um, you know, determination, perseverance, resilience, which, which are very good virtues and, and very important. Um, but I think that that has to be underpinned with um, a sense of uh, civic responsibility and, and moral virtues. So our message to the students and, and as a school has been, those things are very, very important. But what we also want to see is, is the development of things like compassion, uh, integrity, honesty, and humility. Um, so... You know, acknowledge the performance virtues, but also, you know, emphasize that, that that's the type of student that we want to create. How do you do that when the school's sort of um, focus is on results, or, you know, in many ways? How, and then, and then you, you get diluted and the, the performance traits are the ones that, do, that dominate. How, is that something you have to be conscious of and, and stop happening? Yeah, um, I think that's really key, um, particularly in the international environment. Um, so you have to start with things, we've talked about this before, like the, way, the language that you use. So the language of these civic virtues have to be in how, for example, teachers are spoken to, how maybe feedback is delivered. In every aspect of the school, the language of those civic virtues have to be there. Um, also, in the way that you respond to problems, for example. So it's not just about this being part of the pastoral side of the school, but the way the school actually responds to all sorts of issues. 
has to be about that as well. Um, and also when you're recognizing students and teachers, it's not just about recognizing the teachers with the best results from their classes or the students who achieve the best results, but maybe some of the civility within that, the compassion within that, the courage within that, which looks very different sometimes to performance. I think that's very important. I think that when you, you, know, you, you look at, at what's celebrated in a, in a school, so if you say that you're a school of character and you, and you walk around the school and all you see on the, on the walls are, are academic results, then that's sort of incongruous to what your stated aims are really. So I think that you've got to celebrate those sort of acts of kindness and, and when students demonstrate that, just as much as you would celebrate in a, a set of outstanding exam results. Yeah, and just to finish up that point, just as a really good example, I can remember a briefing that we had in our high school, um, and Gary uh, was delivering a part of the briefing, and he just raised that a student in year nine at the time had found 10 ringgit, which is about £1.80, and had handed it in. And it was a really powerful moment because it's such an unusual thing to raise in a public teacher briefing. Mm. And you could hear a pin drop because it's unusual. But that, for me, was a really good example of not just focusing on, oh, and this week, student X achieved 98% on an exam. That type of differentiation is really key. Yeah, that is a really nice example. And I was going to ask sort of for something like that. So you, you sort of preempted that question, which is great. And again, you, it was interesting you said it's how it's, it's embedded in the school. And again, do you, do you sort of, how do you actually do that? Like, are there things that you do every week where you sort of, yeah, highlights a story like that or you know are teachers do they give you know do they, do they model these sort of behaviors in, in certain ways week by week or is it just something that's meant to happen organically as and when yeah i think that it's a mixture so in terms of it kind of being taught rather than caught um we have a, a, a week at the beginning of the term called character in the classroom which is the first week of term where through the conduit of the curriculum teachers in science maths and all the other subjects kind of, um, in inverted commas, teach character. So for example, in a history lesson, um, there might be activities around the character virtues of certain leaders or different decisions that individuals in history have made that maybe lack character. And then we allow the heads of department to share that in a sharing session. So that's where it's made very, very explicit. Um, we also look at things like in terms of our wall displays, and we're working on this next academic year, having these virtues displayed very clearly around the school. Um, and then thirdly, and this is kind of more subtle, in terms of your other policies, so it might be things around assessment, curriculum, feedback, even email etiquette for staff. If there's anything within those policies which is not congruent and consistent with these virtues, staff and students and parents are very, very quick to spot the gaps. Um, and the final point really, I think, is slightly more subtle which is policies that you would not usually associate with kind of the pastoral side of the school. So, for example, maybe assessment or curriculum or feedback or even something like email etiquette. Um, all of those things have to contain this language and be really consistent because it's so easy for things to drop through the gaps. Now, no school, and we certainly don't, can claim that there is absolute consistency in these virtues being lived every minute of every day. I mean, as a young school in particular, we can't claim that. But I think it's about having the self-awareness to reflect on where maybe there are gaps where the consistency isn't there uh, and continuing to work to try and kind of fill them and make it consistent. Mm. 
I think pastorally as well, it's, you know, how you respond to things like, um, you know, behavior. So I think that a, a restorative approach, a restorative approach fits with, with this sort of, um, with the focus on character and virtues. But on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we look at things like, you know, the systems that you've got in place, you know, things like break duties, you know, in their worst form, uh, or, you know, that they are, you know, the, the, it's about sort of, you know, making sure that, you know, oh, it, it's important, it has to happen, but other chairs pushed in, things of that nature. But, you know, you can also look at it in terms of it being an opportunity to, to build relationships, to be observant, um, to spot things to do with well-being. Um, you know, every morning on, on it, when the students come to school, we greet them, um, and, you know, and, and I think that sends out a sort of message about the type of environment that the students are walking into, form tutors, you know, not just about being taking the register, um, which has to happen, but also equipping them with the skills to do things like demonstrate empathy through having listening skills. So we do listening skills training with our form tutors to just equip them with those with those sorts of skills, really. I was going to ask about that because you, you said at the start about looking at a lot of research to help inform this. And again, we didn't it'd be interesting to delve in a little bit more on that and like what kind of research you know how did that help what did you sort of take from that that you then decided to, to lead on and and again i was going to say does that actually come with the need for training to make staff better at this rather than like you're saying just having this sense of oh determination and grit okay yeah great but actually if you want to take get a bit deeper and have these other virtues sometimes you need skills to be able to impart that and, and spot it as it were in pupils so again be maybe we can sort of delve into that a bit more Mm, absolutely i think i think that's that's a really important aspect of it because when you you know when you're doing things like your, your teacher training and or when you're looking at your cpd schedule a lot of it is focused on maybe you know has there been a change to the syllabus training people to 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 respond to that and and often things like you know being a being a good form tutor or or, or character education doesn't get the same level of attention and focus in in those programs um, so I think that it has to be built into it, and that's something that we've certainly tried to do. But I think that when when we first started, I, I think an excellent document would be something like um, the uh, the framework for character in schools by the Jubilee Centre, uh, which really sets out the ethos. And they've also got um, you know, documents that that sort of give examples of how it can be incorporated into into classroom teaching as well. Um, I think the idea about it being caught and taught that came from research. So looking at research about how it's caught, you know, it's important that teachers are role models. It's important that quite often that the principal is somebody that really strongly believes in the development of character. Um, because a lot of these things that, that we're talking about, it takes courage to deviate from the norms. And I think that a principal that believes in it is very important. Um, the facilities, you know, the, the pride that you take in the building, uh, research has shown that that has a positive impact upon developing character. Um, developing student leadership and it, and it being meaningful as well. So it's not just a talking gesture to have a, a student council, but it's actually a group of students that, that feel that they're having a meaningful impact upon the school. All those sorts of things we, we, we took from the research that we looked at. Yeah, and I think the final point there really is to then try and link that to where you are globally uh, and geographically. So obviously we're in Malaysia, there'll be other school uh, teachers listening to this who are in different parts of the world. I and mean, one of the things that, that I think worked for us here was that 
we're kind of building on the culture, a Chinese-Malaysian culture, really, which actually at its very roots in, in kind of Confucianism and things like that um, plays alongside what we've delivered here. So when you um, talk about some of this language and some of the focus to the parents and the students, this is often things that have been passed on and kind of spoken about for many, many, many years in Chinese-Malaysian families. So kind of tying it in with the, um, the location that you find yourself, I think is really interesting. And maybe something about how in different parts of the globe, you might do it slightly differently, dependent on the culture that you're part of as an international school. Yeah, that, that is a very interesting idea, isn't it? Because it, it could be easy for some of these things to not land with parents and not to see it as that important. But if you can link it to the culture and a sort of historical tradition, it, it must make it easier and, and seem more sort of um, profound almost. I suppose the thing, and this was, this was a question I had that I was thinking about, is that do you, have you had issues or do you see a problem ever, though, where you're extolling these virtues, but the world beyond the school and the sort of look at some of the leaders in the world, the people who have held up as models of success, particularly in like the business world, they are rarely praised for their kindness, their compassion, mm -hmm. their civility. It's all about, you know, they got to the top and they, no one stopped them and they just kept on going. And, and traits that maybe aren't always positive if, if we want to have a more rounded character. And, you know, again, is that something that, that impacts? Do you see pupils sort of sometimes being drawn by those outside influences and you try and balance it with what you're doing in the school? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that the context, I mentioned geography, if we're talking about history and where we are at this point, without going off piste, you know, that is a narrative around the world about certain world leaders and, and political leaders and ideologies, which perhaps um, exclusively focus on the performance. But for me, I think that's one of the reasons why this is so powerful with teachers, because it appeals to almost a naivety and an innocence in the teacher that they basically want to create better people. Um, so when you bring in some of the traits that perhaps we all wish we saw more in some of our leaders, you appeal to something in them um, that maybe be why they started teaching in the first place, because they wanted to create people who were going to impact the world in a way that we learned when we were growing up in children's books and children's movies where good for evil. And I think it plays with that. And I think that it uses that. I also think, that, as you mentioned or hinted at, then it can lead to cynicism as well. Um, in that if you hold up certain role models as, as examples, if it, um, then those individuals may um, kind of have um, characteristics which don't suggest some of the, the compassionate, courageous, uh, honest individuals we're trying to build. And it's sometimes about breaking down those walls as well uh, and suggesting that you can have an individual who is ambitious and confident and determined and motivated, but is also reflective and reasoned uh, and thinks and is curious and is compassionate and that is actually a barrier that you have to to break to some extent with parents students and teachers i think mm. and and do you from that are you seeing teachers sort of take that and run with it and start doing things in classes or you know in, in whatever it might be with you know extracurricular activities that that sort of have taken that idea and, and really taken it into areas you wouldn't have thought of or, or you know it, it's, they're free to do that Absolutely. I remember when we, you know, we, we started with this, you know, I think maybe 2017 was where it, it really came into focus. And it, it was, you know, quite often with these things, you know, it, it's, it's driven by, you know, um, initially some, some key individuals and, and then eventually you start to see people taking ownership of it. 
Um, and I remember last year when um, Andy was talking to uh, the, the heads of departments and, and we, we talked about this idea of a carriage in the classroom week. And we actually initially planned it for just, for just one year group. Um, and then um, the other heads of departments, well, why don't we do this with other year groups? Because they saw the value in it and wanted to deliver it to, to all students rather than just one particular group of students. Yeah, and, and when you see, for example, individuals who have high responsibility for things such as GCSE or IB or A-level results, and they're saying, yeah, let's do a character in the classroom week. Let's have our curriculum working alongside something that isn't as performance-focused, certainly not um, in its first instance. I think that's when you know that people have kind of bought into it. And as we've said before, I, I do think it's something that taps into... Um, the purest reason that people get involved in any vocation, really, uh, to create better people. Mm. And I, I suppose that sets us up nicely. In some ways, we haven't really talked a lot yet about pupils and how they respond to this and, and how you're seeing it impact them. And, you know, it'd be nicest, again, to really talk, hear about that and, you know, how do they respond positively to it? Do, do they ever have a bit of cynicism around it and then sort of grow into it? And, again, is there any sort of really nice stories? I mean, the story earlier about the the people who handed in the money was, was a really sort of good example. Are there anything else like that where these traits are starting to manifest and you see it in the pupils that you're then sending off into the world beyond? Yeah, I think, I think I often think with, with this as well is that we've got to remember that this, that the students are not sort of empty vessels waiting for us to sort of pour character in. Mm. Um, that there, there are a lot of the students are, are already, you know, and uh, where we work, um, yeah, the, the students are, are outstanding um, in terms of what we've seen. You know, they 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 often engage in service work. Service is a big part of of our school, um, so they will work at things like uh, soup kitchens, or you know, they've done a lot of work with Rohingya refugees. There's a there's a real sort of moment that stands out for me in school. Um, it's when um, the students have planned a teacher appreciation day, um, and um, unbeknownst to the staff, they'd secretly been training um, all of the other students in the high school, um, teaching them how to sing uh, the song You Raise Me Up. And they prepared sort of the staff room secretly, and the staff came into the staff room, and, they, and they, uh, the kids had baked cakes and sandwiches and things, so the staff were having a lovely buffet. Um, and then partway through, the children said, can you come outside now? And they lined the teachers up by the swimming pool, and when the teachers looked up at every level, the entire high school was lined up and they started performing this song for the school. And I remember looking around at the, at the faces of the teachers and you just knew that that was going to be a moment um, that they would remember throughout their teaching career. Um, it, was, it was just fantastic. And the students have done that independently of their own organisation-wise. I mean, there's a performance element in there that they were determined enough to do that. But the, the the reason why they were doing it was that, that gratitude that they had for the teachers um, that were working with them. Yeah, and I think that example that Gary mentioned, looking here at the building blocks of character, every single one of those virtues, intellectual virtues, moral, civic, and performance virtues, all were encapsulated in that teacher appreciation moment. Um, and that is a really great example of when all four of these threads are working together, the impact that it has on other people. Yeah, that, that's a lovely story. And, and again, it sort of seems like the other end of the spectrum to the, the pupil finding the money story in the, in the scale and the scope, but, but sort of fundamentally the same sort of positive attributes that it, that it demonstrates. 
Um, and, and do you see though, I mean, that is a really nice example, but, and, and do you think, are there other times though where some pupils do get too focused still on the determination, the grit, the, the academic traits, shall we say, because for whatever reason, that's what they see as important and they sort of see the other sort of aspects as more, I don't know, like, like less important, shall we say, or yeah. I mean, you have, and they have to be sort of educated, like say, you know, you can still succeed and it's also worthwhile having these other traits. Yeah, I think so. And I think that we'd be kind of lying to ourselves if we said that didn't happen. And I think, again, the building blocks of character and the way it looks on the page is a really useful tool there for the teachers. Because what you can do there is you can sit with that student and you can talk to them about their confidence or their perseverance and their resilience and how incredibly brilliant those skills are in the world. But you can also move them to think about maybe using some of those softer virtues as well and maybe remind them that those virtues need to come into play as well. Um, and again, that's really about, and, and again, no school can say they've mastered that, but I think it's about with the story of the 10 ringgit, it's about finding those little hidden examples and making it public, making it something that's celebrated, making it something that's high profile, that reminds students in your school, this is what we value here, as well as good results. There's sometimes a miscalculation, I think, that if you value these things, you don't want good exam results. You don't want students who succeed and go to top universities. It's not about that. It's about having both and having a fully formed character. And do you do that? Do you surface those kind of stories among pupils as well, like in, in assemblies or in informed meetings, you know, where those kind of finding the money stories are, are sort of highlighted and praised, like you said, alongside any great academic or sporting achievement? Yeah, and I think sometimes as well, when you, it, it's also about reminding um, maybe teachers who are newer to the school that in another school, um, maybe having an assembly about subject X, which is purely about performance, would be fine. But here we value other things as well. So it's about shifting those teachers' mindsets a little bit as well. And some find it very difficult. That is something that is very difficult for them. Um, but, but the more that students in things like assemblies and tutor time and, and in lessons as well hear those softer virtues being referenced and referenced, they start to understand the importance because the profile rises of those virtues. Well, one of the things that the students do themselves and they, is that they have something each year called a Hidden Heroes um, Assembly. And this has, been, this has become a bit of an annual tradition. And this is where the students themselves... Um, highlight um, and praise hidden heroes um, amongst their, their peer groups um, so they will recognize you know the student that is always you know they're you know providing support they'll record so they they recognize that themselves so that's that's actually a, a big part of the, the school calendar now um, as a tradition yeah so you might have an award for example for a student in year eight who's the most compassionate or a student in year nine who um, exhibits the most neighborliness and again, it's high profile. It is based around an award, but it's not just about the student who achieved the best results in history or the best results in maths, although we still do recognize that because it's important, but it's about a fully formed character, not a partially formed one. It's interesting that you said about some staff, new staff can sort of struggle with this. And I'm, I'm thinking there might be people listening to this who sort of really go with this and think, yeah, this is what I think our school should be doing more of. And we need to sort of get back to be more balanced in the traits we praise and so forth. But maybe it's very hard because I say maybe it is very entrenched that academic success and the traits that that requires sort of dominate. And even when attempts to bring in these other ones very quickly are lost again in that noise of academic 
success and you know professional success thereafter is there any advice you've got or sort of beyond what we've already talked about that you'd say can really help you know steer that and, and really embed this long term and, and, and deeply within a school culture I think first of all you've got to make it safe for people not just to focus on the performance so as Gary mentioned earlier it has to be kind of top down safety is key because people have to be um, feel that they can trust the community to value those um, softer virtues those moral virtues as well um, and they have to be completely safe in their environment to, to be different because to change requires that safety. Um, I think that's the first step. Hmm. Yeah, so sort of leadership has to, has to be, in, you know, they have to buy in and, and in many ways deliver a lot of it. Yeah, and I think you have to be, you have to be patient as well because this, this, this does take, take time. Um, as we've said, training is, is very important. Um, you've, got, you've got to be self-aware with yourself and, and, and know when you've sort of, because you know, sometimes, um, yeah, you know, on, on and where, you know, you, you've kind of uh, maybe as an organisation or as an individual deviated sometimes and, and, and recognising that yourself. I certainly do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, no individual is going to be able to exhibit all of these virtues all the, all the time. Um, and that's okay. And it's about, as Gary said, stepping back sometimes um, and being patient with people. And also, I think about how you manage things with individuals when it doesn't work. Um, so you have to live these values as much as you can. So when things don't work in a school, as they don't sometimes for whatever reason, how do you manage a teacher who didn't get a great set of results? How do you manage a teacher um, who's been late for numerous uh, occasions and, and we're still yet to find out why and how you manage that with patience and humility and all the things that we've talked about is important as well. Yeah. So it has to go sort of horizontally amongst staff as much as, as, it, as much between teachers and pupils. Yeah. Um, and also being aware that as we've said, all of us are going to get this wrong. All of us, we're not always going to be compassionate. We're not always going to be confident. We're not always going to be, critical thinkers but having the awareness to step back from that a little bit uh, and owning it owning the fact that you haven't been those things that's a very powerful message as well I think to teachers and students and parents mm. do you think that issue of, of teachers being shall we say kind and, and being hum, you know, humble between one another like you say particularly if, it, if there's a sort of situation which might be awkward if that doesn't happen then you sort of touched on this earlier but if that doesn't happen if there isn't that respect and, and the, you know understanding as a sort of baseline then how can you yeah. possibly expect those teachers to take come away from a, a bad meeting where they feel they're not listened to or something and then go and sort of extol these virtues to pupils yeah i mean one of the uh, that's one of the things that i personally really believe in and uh, one of the things gary did uh, gary and i did sorry in the induction program last year was we did a session around kind of the bigger picture of the school culture and, and we had some examples like that for example you're in a meeting uh, and you're bored, the meeting's boring you, it's going on too long, how do you respond? Because how you respond in that moment will in some ways suggest how much you believe in this program. Um, because there is a way to respond which shows some of those moral virtues and civic virtues. Uh, and there's ways to respond, maybe eye rolling or talking or kind of trying to walk out or playing with your phone that completely undercuts it. And you've hit on a really important point there. 
because all of us as humans are kind of wired to spot the gaps. And the more gaps that appear, you lose people. Um, and again, it's about that awareness of, of kind of all your decisions and how much they play into this and they build upon this rather than undercut it. Mm. And I suppose as a final question then, what, um, what are the things you're looking to do to continue developing this, to evolve it, to make sure it, it maintains its sort of you know, central purpose within the school? You know, how, you know, how do you ensure it doesn't slowly slip by the wayside? Yeah, one of the things that we're going to start doing this year is, is to do more of a self-evaluation um, and to be you know, really looking at ourselves and, and making sure that we can keep the momentum going over the course of the year so, you know, so that it's not just something that starts really effectively during the induction programme in the first few weeks, but that the momentum is, is, is continued throughout. And I, I think that's, that's the same for really initiating any sort of change within an organisation, keeping the momentum going. So... We're going to start a process of, of self-evaluation really this, this year. Yeah, and, and even in things like, and we didn't touch on, for example, our appraisal program. Again, systems like that, which could be a kind of tri traditional performance management system where you sit in front of someone and they tick boxes off that they feel that you've matched or haven't. And we've adopted an appraisal system that takes on a coaching model uh, where staff work with other members of staff the hierarchy is kind of flattened um and they're allowed to kind of you're allowed to develop yourself essentially with guidance so it's about building on programs like that as well because appraisal is a really good example of where if you make a different choice and it's not a bad choice but a different choice it can either really support a character education program or it can completely contradict the character education program so this year we'll be building on things like that as well and refining it in certain areas too. And do you think, is that on that appraisal point, is that something where, again, was that easier to do maybe because you were a new school and you could do it from sort of day one or, or again, was it something you actually brought in subsequently? No, I think a lot of what we've talked about is because we're blessed, I think, in many respects to be part of a startup school. Um, I think if you were going into a 20-year-old school, for example, and attempting to shift the focus um, to some of the things that we've mentioned here, I think that would be very, very challenging to do in some respects. Whereas when you've got that blank canvas, as Gary mentioned at the beginning, you do have an element of freedom to think differently about many things. And this is one of them, I think. So I suppose the message there is, is not, is if you want to make this change at a more established school, you should sort of maybe do it more incrementally rather than expecting to put it all in from the start of the next academic term, whatever it might be, and it will all just, be fantastic you you maybe need to do slow and steady changes to to shift to a culture more like this yeah i i think as well you've got to think about the, the character of your staff body uh who are you recruiting why are you recruiting them it may be that due to your ethos or your geography or your values that you actually do have the kind of the ground if you like to build upon but it might be in a completely different context that you really don't and you've got to be really honest with yourself about Right, what culture have we currently got? Can it be built upon to create this? Or will it never work unless we kind of start from, from kind of ground zero? So I think it's about knowing the culture and the community that you, you lead. So a lot of food for thought for, for teachers at all levels and, and all around the world. So um, thank you so much for sharing it. I think everyone will take a lot from that. Thanks very much. Thank you, Dan.